Non-stop talk radio, streaming 24 hours a day. TalkZone.com TalkZone.com Today we're talking with Thomas Avery Guerin, and he's written the book Western Herbs According to Traditional Chinese Medicine. And we're talking about the flavors of each herb, and we're into sour, salty, and bland, the last three. Okay, so sour um, sour is, is, is primarily used for astringent. So... Um, you know, all anyone has to do is think of what happens when they put uh, a lemon in their mouth or they drink um, unsweetened lemonade mm-hmm. and they feel that pucker in their mouth. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly what the flavor of sour does. Now, it can be a little bit more... Um, mm, it doesn't have to, you know, be put directly on a tissue to be... To have that effect. So okay. in Chinese medicine, we think of um, leakage um, being something like uh, the kidneys house or, or the home of, of the, or the root of yin and yang. So mm-hmm. if, if a person is uh, overexerting themselves and not sleeping enough and not eating properly, then the, the yin can... can um, become or vacuous or deficient. And so we might use the flavor of sour to help astringent, to help stop that draining of that. Of that. At the same time, I we're see. nourishing with the sweet flavor. So basically, when you're doing these sort of things, these are kind of natural ways to get the body to right itself. So are they going to tend to not be like maybe an overnight success, whereas typical uh, pharmaceutical drugs might have a quicker response but less natural? Is that is that fair to say? I would say that's 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 fair. Um, you know, herbs can have a very um, swift and definitive action, although um, it really depends on on what you're treating and. Uh, the skill of the practitioner, I think, has a lot to do with it. And uh, is, isn't it also true that uh, some of the um, pharmaceutical drugs are based on herbs also? Yes. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure the percentage anymore, but for a long time it was it was uh, well over 50% of the, the drugs were originally, you know, the, the idea or the basis came from from plants. Now, right. I'm not sure exactly where that's at. It, these days, but uh, I think it's probably still over 50%. But how do they, how do the pharmaceuticals change that herb in a way that makes it less safe for the body? Well, uh, the primary thing that happens is they isolate one chemical constituent. So a drug is one chemical constituent and it's concentrated. Um, when you take herbs, even one single herb, you're taking in a whole cornucopia of, yes. of uh, chemicals. That, that are harmonized with each other. Right. Well, we hope, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so over time, um, herbalists in, in every culture have developed uh, systems of understanding how individual herbs and combinations of herbs act in the body. 
and pretty much every system has spent a lot of time and energy um, trying to minimize what we would call side effects and maximize positive effects. Right. Unfortunately, what happens um, in, in with Western medicine is that um, when you use concentrations of of uh, chemical one single chemical constituent, it has a very profound effect on the body, which can, in some cases, be quite positive. Sure. Um, but like anything in excess, it, it uh, it's sort of like a pendulum effect. You, know, you get one good positive effect, and it swings back the other way, and you get a, a negative effect. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with the pharmaceuticals, you're maybe not doing it in as natural a way as you might be doing it with the herbs. Well, for sure, that's definitely true. And um, I think that uh, you know there, there's more and more work being done in uh, pharma- by pharmaceutical companies and doctors to try to understand this action. And, and I, I do think that they are getting better. Um, in China, for instance, you'll find that a lot of uh, almost all hospitals are prescribing both herbs and drugs together. Right. Yes. I think that's good. One of the reasons for that is that drugs have such a swift action. So if someone is, say, has a very serious condition, whatever that condition is, and you need a swift action, then drugs are often better for that than herbs. However, um, the cause of that problem is not necessarily going to be well treated by the drugs. The cause is better treated by the herbs. And so we can sort of uh, get that swift action, get the patient out of danger or get them out of pain or whatever the situation is, and then use herbs to resolve the problem so it doesn't come back. Yes. So uh, I think that that's beginning to catch on even here in the West and and, and, and in Europe a lot, actually. A, a lot of, uh, for instance, in Germany, uh, medical doctors are required to uh, study plants as part of their training. Good. That's good. Yeah. So um, here's something I just want to get in before we, you know, it's too late. <laughs> we didn't get it in. But um, have you heard about people with instantaneous combustion? I've heard about it, yeah. Well, you know, you're talking about hot and cold and dampness and wind and stuff. Do you have any idea why people catch fire, these few people who do? Um, well, I don't know that I'm necessarily qualified to answer that question, although, uh, you know, from the Chinese perspective, uh, clearly they are too hot. <laughs> they were guzzling uh, uh, straight, straight gasoline instead of milk, and they look at doing a cigarette. <laughs> so, tell tell uh, our audience what would a person like? Uh, what would you be eating, or how would you be behaving to get yourself too hot? Just some ideas. Sure. Um, well. Heat can come from two different places, essentially. Um, I mentioned uh, yin and yang. In 
Yin is the cool, moist part of the body, and Yang is the warm, active part of the body. Yeah. And so um, you can either have too much of that Yang energy, and that would be caused by eating a lot of hot, spicy foods, the foods that are very drying, not, uh, um, you know, getting your body dried out, over-exercising, things like that, which will cause a lot of inflammatory conditions in your body. Is, like, smoking a drying food? Smoking would definitely be a warm and dry action on the lungs, yes. Absolutely. And and, And, uh, sugar or caffeine? Um. Sugar would definitely be be uh, warming and stimulating, um, and caffeine is also stimulating. Um, although you know, um, of course, the uh, Asia, China, and India and such have been drinking tea for forever and mm-hmm. considered, uh, you know, the old apple a day keep the doctor away is kind yes. of the way tea is seen in in Asia. What do you think? Uh, I agree. I, I, um, tea has a lot of great benefits that go beyond any uh, stimulating um, action. Now, I think it's possible to overdo that, although... Yeah. And what about the caffeine in there? Well, uh, you know, caffeine in and of itself is not necessarily bad. It's only in, in, in excess that it's bad. And I, I think that's also true for coffee. Um, coffee... Um, can be, in fact, coffee is a great antioxidant, and there's some recent research to show that um, pretty significant amounts of coffee help treat diabetes. Now, um, uh, I'm not necessarily recommending people that have diabetes go out and drink a lot of coffee. Right, Um, especially with sugar. Especially with sugar. I mean, I think that's part of the problem is that most people drink coffee, and it's loaded with with milk and sugar. Right. And and that is probably much more of a problem than the coffee it, itself. I see. Right. Yeah. Um, You're so. listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up one show at a time. Our guest today, Thomas Avery Guerin, author of Western Herbs According to Ch- uh, Traditional Chinese Medicine. So what is too much caffeine in a day? Well, I think that that varies from person to person. It has to do with uh, your weight and your metabolism and age. I think that uh, one or maybe two cups of coffee is probably okay for most people. Um, And it probably also depends on the quality of coffee you're drinking. And we're probably not talking espressos either, are we? Well, you know, the thing about espresso is that it's actually a pretty small volume of coffee, even though it's... It's uh, it's concentrated. It's a pretty small volume, and so it's one espresso is probably close to the same or close to equivalent to um, you know a, a large cup of coffee. Now, you know the person that goes to say uh, I don't know Seven Eleven and gets the big gulp of coffee uh, and loads it down with a quarter pound of sugar and you know, <laughs> four cups of milk or cream. That's that's definitely not not okay. But, you know, uh, I think a, a, a reasonable amount of coffee for, for most people, if they enjoy it, is okay. I, this sort of brings me to uh, to something that uh, myself and many other practitioners believe, and that is that um, moderation is is uh, um, a key to health. It sounds like balance. 
it is balance, and that's it. Sort of, it definitely sings true to what Chinese medicine says, and that is that um, when when we deny ourselves something that we want, then we are creating problems by that denial. Now, obviously, if what we want is to um, do something that is very clearly bad for us, say right. smoking, yeah, um, then well, we need to figure out how how to not want that. Yeah. You know? Right, and try to ease yourself out of that destructive path. Exactly, exactly. I, I hear on some of these uh, coffee um, um, coffee blends, you can jumpstart your car with them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have some particular curiosities about certain herbs, and one that fascinates me for some reason is black cohosh. Uh-huh. Would you tell me what you would tell somebody about it or what you know about it? What what good is it? What what do you know about that? Well, black cohosh uh has a long history of use. Uh it's a North American herb and of course it's been made very famous uh in recent years um in the treatment <clears throat> excuse me, in the treatment of of um women who are going through the change of life. Mhm. And so, uh, unfortunately, that sort of takes it away from a lot of, of what we can use it for. And black cohosh, um, in, in, for me, has to do a lot with um, treating uh, arthritic conditions. And um, so... When I think of black cohosh, I think of something that is um, sort of uh, uh, warm and, and somewhat stimulating. It has a very upward energy. And um, it's interesting that uh, black cohosh is, uh, or several species of it um, uh, are also used in Chinese medicine. And when we look at the traditional uses of black cohosh in the West, and the traditional uses of black cohosh in Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. we find that they are almost exactly the same. Wow. Is, uh, it, is it a beautiful plant? It is a gorgeous plant. I think, uh, I, think that I tried to represent it um, <clears throat> excuse me, in the book with the photos, but I, I have to admit that it is not an easy plant to photograph. Well, I, I just got to say once again, you have beautiful photos so many times I look into herb books and that kind of thing, and I'm quite frustrated because they just don't quite let me know real clearly what what to look for precisely. I mean, you got to use your imagination. This one, it's it's uh, usually two photos and one. You know, between the two of them, you got a really good idea, almost foolproof a lot of times of exactly what plant you're talking about. So I really appreciate that about your book. Thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to warn people that, uh, you know, if they get an idea that they're going to go out and um, <clears throat> pick some of these plants, if they find someone who really is qualified in field botany or really knows their way around because yeah. there are some plants that look right. like some of the plants in my book that um, they don't necessarily want to ingest. So you're trying to save lives right now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That pioneer and, and liability, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's let's go to chamomile. Okay, chamomile is uh, chamomile is a wonderful herb because it's so versatile and it can be used uh, for children, which is uh, something that I really enjoy doing in my own practice. And uh, it's it's quite uh, soothing and calming. But chamomile, um, uh, it, you know, in, in small doses. Um, can be used for children and much larger doses can be used for adults. Mm-hmm. It also is it's very good for the digestion. So, um, you know, uh, it is in fact quite bitter. Most people don't really think of it that way because they drink chamomile in these tea bags, um, which are almost literally the sweepings off the floor at the manufacturers. I mean, they're not the quality that... We'll have to pick this up after break. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Uh, Our guest is Thomas Avery Guerin, who's written the book Traditional Chinese Medicine, and we will be right back. 